0: Okay, okay, okay. Welcome back, everybody. Another week here at the Transcend Human Podcast. It is great to have you with us, May second, twenty twenty-two. All right, like I said, welcome back to the podcast. It's another sunny Monday morning here in Southern California. Um, I'll yeah, I'm not going to talk about that now. I'll talk about that at the end of the podcast. I've got some cool stuff coming up, and something I just I just want to run by you as a a possible, a potential for some upcoming uh, episodes. So hang on the line for that, but let's just dive right in. So minute of transparency this week, I'm going to call Perspective Matters. So growing up in Powell, Wyoming, um, I kind of learned what it was to say Perspective Matters or what it means to say Perspective Matters. So we lived in a large valley between mountain ranges and in the middle of the valley sat a large mountain named Heart Mountain. And because it was in the valley, because it just kind of jutted up out of the middle of nowhere, um, it could be seen for miles in every direction. And anytime you have a mountain like this that's kind of visible from all different areas of the, the region, it becomes a landmark, right? A landmark for people who live in the valley. Now, because of its unique shape, it actually looked very different depending on where you lived in the valley. Now, this may not be true for some of the more symmetrical mountains. I'm thinking of mountains like Mount Rainier in Washington State, or even another uh, mountain in Wyoming called Devil's Tower, which, yeah, they're a little different depending on what side you're on, but the effect is very similar no matter what your vantage point is but not Heart Mountain, right? Heart Mountain is made up of two very distinct summits. The main one, which is taller and a lot wider, and then another one that's uh, a little bit shorter and comes to more of a point. And together they form the mountain. I guess you could say from certain vantage points, it kind of looks like the shape of a heart, but I would say that that's stretching it just a bit. My point is this perspective matters because Heart Mountain looks very different based on your vantage point. So I lived in Powell and I still to this day believe that my view of Heart Mountain is the correct one, right? It's the one that should be in pictures. It's the one you should see on postcards, all of those things. But if you lived in Cody, you would have a very different perspective and you would probably suggest that my view was the wrong view. Now, Unfortunately, Heart Mountain played a role in history, and not one to be very proud of. If you ever do a Google search for Heart Mountain, the first thing that comes up typically are articles about the Heart Mountain Japanese Internship Camp, or the Heart Mountain Relocation Center. Both kind of refer to the same thing. During World War II, Japanese Americans were rounded up and sent to one of ten internment camps in the West. In order to protect the country from potential internal threats. The fear was that the Japanese people living inside of our country would side with their homeland and help to destabilize our country from the inside out. So in 1942, close to 14,000 people of Japanese descent were transported to the Heart Mountain area where they were incarcerated for periods of time. People came and went, but the camp was open for over three years. Now, for the Japanese Americans interned at Hart Mountain, their perspective took on a whole new meaning, right? I mean, yes, they had a unique physical perspective on the mountain, very different from my perspective in Powell and from my friend Alex's perspective in Cody. From their vantage point, the smaller summit was hidden, right? It was behind the larger summit. So that's all they saw was a big rectangular summit. But this wasn't the only perspective they had. They also viewed the mountain from an emotionally traumatic perspective. They viewed Heart Mountain through barbed wire as prisoners living in their own country, forced to endure discomfort and uncertainty for many years. Now, there are entire websites dedicated to this, right? Japanese people documenting, remembering, and making sure that we don't forget what happened at at intern camps like Heart Mountain. But for me and my family, when we moved to Wyoming, the Heart Mountain Relocation Center was all but gone. Just a few buildings remained, and some of the chimneys were kind of left standing after fires had burned down the rest of the buildings. I don't even think there was a visitor center at the time. Maybe just a monument of some sort explaining that the site had historical significance. It looks like a nonprofit was started back in 1996, and now there's an entire museum there called the Heart Mountain Interpretive Center. Now, I only tell this story because it explains the perspective thing very well. So, a Japanese American who interned at Heart Mountain will see pictures of the mountain and remember a very traumatic time in their life. It might even bring tears to their eyes. For me, I look at the pictures of Heart Mountain and I remember living in Wyoming. I remember Powell. I remember hiking trips with my family. I remember standing on the summit more than once, feeling a sense of accomplishment. Two very different perspectives on the same thing. So in this episode, uh, I'm not going to use the word perspective very much because I really want to use the word mirage. And dictionary.com defines mirage like this. First, an optical phenomenon. And second, something illusory without substance or reality. Now, I bet when most of us hear the word mirage, we think of a desert, right? We picture ourselves walking through a barren desert with nothing but sand dunes as far as the eye can see. And yet in the distance, it looks like there's water or maybe palm trees or something like that, right? And you head in that direction, only you never get any closer to it. It always stays in the same place and you never actually find the water. So similar to perspective, right, they say perspective is reality, which is a very important thing to understand because it explains a lot of things. When we perceive something to be a certain way, it becomes our reality until proven otherwise, even if what we believe is 100% false. How do I know this? Because people used to believe that the world was flat. It was reality to them because it was their perception. Until the day arrived when somebody circumnavigated the globe and realized that it wasn't. Or, from my story, when I was young, I perceived Heart Mountain to be just an old mountain. That was my reality. Until I learned the story about the Japanese intern camps. And then I had to adjust my reality based on this new historical information. And that's why I wanted to use the word mirage today instead of perspective. For me, looking at Heart Mountain was a form of a mirage. I saw something that I believed to be true, but it really wasn't. It was a mirage. I wasn't seeing the full picture. Now, with the information I have and the research I've done, I have a much clearer picture of what Heart Mountain is and what it stands for. Still not 100%, but much clearer than when I was young. So today's topic, transcending the mirage. And we're gonna talk about four things. First, the Midwest Mirage, second, the west coast mirage third the orange county mirage and finally seeing through your mirage number 1 the midwest mirage so i've told our story here on the podcast i think a number of times right where we grew up most of our lives in the midwest and then eventually we moved moved to california uh, but i want to zoom in on the life that we were living right before we decided to move to california and i'm going to refer to this time as the midwest mirage Because it's how we saw life. It's how we perceived it to be until we didn't. The Midwest is a great place. I mean, it's full of patriotic, hardworking, middle-class Americans living the American dream. Our parents worked very hard for their money. They worked hard to give their kids a good life. And they spent a lot of time building a nest egg big enough so that they could enjoy retirement. And we fit right in. I mean, we basically took what we saw and we ran with it, doing the same thing our parents did, generation after generation. Now, some of you might be saying, well, that sounds pretty normal to me. I mean, isn't that just the way it is everywhere? Nope. At least I don't think so. I mean, there might be people across the country that live this way, as long as they're living in the sprawling suburbs with middle to upper class incomes, then possibly But my guess is that there are a lot of people living differently altogether. Think about big city people. Think about western ranch owners, Great Plains farmers, families living in the southern hills of like West Virginia, uh, coastal fishing families, and the list goes on and on. I'm not sure all of those people can identify with my explanation of a suburban Midwestern lifestyle. Not that this is important in any way, shape, or form, because I'm really just talking about my mirage, right? The mirage that I saw because I lived in the Midwest. And for us, it had some negative consequences, at least four that come to mind very quickly. Consequence number one, we were caught up on the treadmill of success. So it was all about keeping up with the neighbors, right? Living in the right part of, part of the city, having the right house, driving the right cars, having our kids in the right school system, having our kids in travel sports, dance or theater, taking the right vacations at the right time. And yes, there are the right vacations that you take when you live in the Midwest. One is an annual migration to Florida for spring break. Not unlike the Islamic Hajj, the annual pilgrimage to Mecca. Only it's the sun that gets worshipped in Florida. And in doing all of these things, it never felt like there was enough money to pay the bills. So things went on credit cards, right? Because there were always new bills. There were always new things that had to be purchased in order to live at the level that you needed to be at, in order to keep up with the neighbors. Number two, life was all about comfort. Now, this may not be said by everyone living in the Midwest, but for me, Comfort was my goal, to make enough money to be comfortable, to live in a safe neighborhood, to have your kids in safe schools, to have the latest and greatest in landscaping tools, household appliances, technical devices, working your butt off in order to sit in your comfortable house and watch TV on a big screen. Number three, I think we were chasing worldly happiness. So unfortunately, this is kind of baked into our culture, right? Similar to feeling comfortable only falling for the happiness trap, right? This idea that if if we just had all of the stuff, all of the things, then we would be happy, of course, right? The right house, being successful, having our kids in all the right activities, getting to travel when we wanted to travel. It's not right, but like I said, I think we came by it honestly. And for me, at the end of it all, I still wasn't happy. Now, I can't speak for Tammy, but I wasn't happy for sure. And finally, number four, it was hard to think outside the box. Now, for those of you who know anything about the Midwest, you know that the Midwest is very red, Republican to the core, making the culture fairly bent in that direction, right? There's very little diversity of thought. Similar to that, there's very little racial diversity. The Midwest we lived in was extremely white. And along with this reality came cultural beliefs and attitudes toward things like inclusion, viewing all people as equal, gender equality, gender identity, the environment, climate change, governmental control, government spending, and the list goes on and on. Not that all of these are wrong beliefs, they were just very slanted in one direction, and not a lot of dialogue happening about them. Now, I don't think that we understood all of this at the time when we were living in the Midwest, Right? We just had this feeling, and we said to ourselves, something isn't right. It's almost like things are too perfect, too prescribed. It was like we were living in the Truman Show, and one day we were going to sail across some fake ocean and find that we were just living on a massive movie set the entire time. Now, it wasn't until we moved away from the Midwest that we were able to see some of this more clearly how we had fallen into bad habits simply because of the culture that we were part of. It was the Midwest mirage and we didn't fully see it for what it was until we were on the other side. Number two, the West Coast Mirage. So we, meaning Tammy and I, um, had some preconceived ideas about what California was before we moved, to be sure. Things that we'd heard growing up and things that we assumed based on the news, based on TV shows, people who'd been there, stuff like that. But it wasn't until we told people we were moving to California that we realized just how pervasive the West Coast mirage really is. Now, we knew it was going to be difficult to leave. Don't get us wrong, right? We knew that people would be sad. We knew that, you know, that there would be difficulties with relationships because we'd spent so much time with certain people and now all of that was going to change. But what I don't think we expected was outright anger like just downright anger and insults, um, manipulative behavior to to basically keep us from leaving or or in their words, to get us to think logically and responsibly. And these weren't random people. I mean, these were people we loved, people we cared about, people we were close to. It was a really difficult thing to walk through. But here's a list of the things that came out in those conversations. First, California is way too blue. Everyone there is liberal. It's dangerous. Are you going to be safe? You'll be so close to Mexico. Aren't you worried about the border issues, immigrants? It's expensive. Can you actually afford it? There's fires and there's earthquakes there. Why would you want to live there? Will your kids be okay? I mean, I can't believe you would choose to raise your kids in an environment like that. Don't you care about them at all? And these are just the ones that I can remember. As you can see, the West Coast mirage ran very deep in the Midwest, almost a us versus them kind of mentality. On the one hand, you can see why people feel this way, right? California is a state, as a state, is very blue. Um, You've got Hollywood, LA, San Francisco, UC Berkeley, a lot of liberal influence there for sure. Uh, Many of the pop icons in our culture are from California. You have the movie and television stars, you have musicians, uh, pretty big sports and athletic stars. You know, many live in LA, Malibu, Calabasas, Hollywood Hills. And if you follow these people on social media, you definitely get the feel that most of them are liberal. And when it comes to the socioeconomic stuff, I mean, you can Google that crap. That's, That's obvious, right? Southern California is up there as one of the most expensive places to live in the country. Taxes are high, gas and food prices are out of control, largely thanks to COVID and Russia. Uh, But there's no doubt that it costs more to live here. So, all that said, you can see why people have a pretty strong opinion about the West Coast, especially California. And while there is some truth to those things, it's still a mirage, right? People have created a reality about something that they don't fully understand. And for us, it caused problems big problems. We had no idea that the people in our lives were so strongly influenced by that mirage and that they would allow it to put stress on our relationship, a relationship that we had built over years. I mean, to this day, there are some unresolved conversations with people that we love dearly, people who said some really damaging things, things that they can't unsay. And unfortunately, they're just not things that you bring up at the dinner table years later. Now. Before I jump into the Orange County Mirage, I want to help you see through the West Coast Mirage just a little bit more clearly. So now that we've been here for close to six years, um, I think I can speak pretty intelligently about California, or at least Southern California, where we've spent a lot of time. Politically, we were shocked. Yes, California is a blue state. But it must have a Bible Belt, because there is a church on every block, it seems like, and a fair share of megachurches that you can choose from. During the 2020 election, it wasn't uncommon to see roadside gatherings for the Republican Party, pickup trucks with Trump flags flying high. We even had protests in Huntington Beach due to the beach closures, the stay-at-home orders, mask mandates, all of those things. All politically red, if you were to be honest. Next, natural disasters. We have felt a few small earthquakes, don't get me wrong, and yes, there are fires, one which actually came surprisingly close to our neighborhood. But would you like me to do a quick Google search on inclement weather around the country? According to fireweatheravalanche.org, there are fires in 14 states right now, and California isn't even one of the top eight. When it comes to earthquakes, the USGS- Um, as of this podcast episode, is reporting earthquakes in California, New Mexico, and Maine. And these are just the natural disasters that people talk about, right? When they talk about California, they talk about earthquakes and they talk about fires. But in the past few years, there have been hurricanes, severe flooding, tornado outbreaks, severe winter storms, all of these things across the country, which leads me to say, show me yours and I'll show you mine. At this point in our history, Mother Earth is just downright mad. And I don't think there's any state that's exempt. Next, religion, right? It's my belief that you can find God anywhere. Um, I've already talked about the fact that I feel like I'm in, I'm in the Bible belt of California. Um, but to my surprise, I actually found people here to be more spiritual than they were in the Midwest. Now, this is totally my opinion. But I can still remember church in Indiana feeling very organized, very methodical, very cultural, like it's just something you do, so let's just do it and make it fun. But my experience in California was a lot different. Yes, there are large churches functioning as businesses, and don't get me started on the leadership of some of these churches um, and some of the the beliefs I have about them, Um, but it was the people, the people attending the churches that seemed different just more open, more raw, more willing to talk about the pain that they've suffered in life and their need for God. Now, maybe we just didn't hang out in the right circles in Indiana, but like I said, um, I've had experiences in both places, and that's my feeling after being in California. Okay, next is what I would call the liberal ethos. So there's no doubt, like we said, that you're going to find more people in California who are liberal than in the Midwest. But one of the reasons for this is the large population centers. So large cities tend to be liberal, but this has nothing to do with California. I Googled the most liberal cities in the US, and here's a list of the top 20 according to worldpopulationreview.org San Francisco, Washington, D.C., Seattle, Oakland, Boston, Minneapolis, Detroit, New York City, Buffalo, Baltimore, Chicago, Portland, St. Paul. Austin, St. Louis, Philadelphia, New Orleans, Los Angeles, Pittsburgh, and Denver. Now, are all of those cities in California? No. Are they all on the West Coast? No. These cities are spread all across our country, right? They're big population centers, and big population centers tend to be liberal. Okay. Now, obviously, what does that say? It, it means that you can find liberal people no matter where you go. It's still up to you how you want to live your life where you're living your life. Finally, let's look at the California culture. So this is something that I had to unlearn, right? Because it was part of the mirage that I saw when I looked at the West Coast from the Midwest. Now, I assumed that everyone in California was chill and laid back. You know, the skateboarder type, the surfer type, people in flip-flops, wearing Ray-Bans, living in the sunshine under palm trees, riding in old VW buses or convertibles. And don't get me wrong, that vibe does exist, to be sure. But what i found is that there is an underlying drive in people in California. It's this entrepreneurial spirit, and it's very, very strong. Starting new things, inventing stuff, always looking for the next big thing not sure where this comes from. Maybe the the old gold rush years, right? Uh, where people literally sold everything they had and moved to California to chase a dream. Or maybe it's because it costs so much to live here. Maybe it keeps you reinventing yourself over and over and over again just to pay the rent. I don't know for sure, but it's a thing. Even in the church world, that was a whole new thing to me, right? When I, when I moved here, I was working for a large church and I've never seen so many multi-site churches and would-be pastors dreaming about starting their own churches, right? In the Midwest, a multi-site strategy was just something a large church did because they could. But in California, it feels like it's driven by the sheer number of people wanting to start their own thing, to start their own church. Um, you know, I I had a joke when I worked at the church. That I felt like it was a pastor factory because literally everyone, even people on my own team in the communications department, they didn't really want to be in the communications department. They wanted to be a pastor. That was just a foot in the door to get them into another ministry where they could be the pastor of that ministry and then eventually ask the church for help in starting their own ministry, their own church. Again, just my belief on things, it's just my perception. However, it really seems to be a thing here. Now, to summarize the entire thing, the entire California culture, I would just say work hard, play hard. I mean, that really seems to fit the, um, the California culture. Now, in terms of safety, uh, according to smartasset.com, Irvine, California is one of the 20 safest cities in the world. Interesting fact, on that list, nine of the 20 cities are in California. Another interesting fact, there are no Midwest cities listed in the top 35. So there's that, if you were wondering. And finally, here's a little bit more on the whole diversity thing. So part of the Midwest mirage, right, that we talked about was that diversity was lacking, right? And that it actually caused people to believe that diversity was wrong or dangerous in some way. But living here has completely opened our eyes to the joy that comes from being around other cultures. It's so funny because the US has always been called a melting pot, but in the Midwest, it was really hard to understand, right? Because it wasn't a melting pot. Everyone looked like you, everyone talked like you. But in California, you experience what a melting pot really is. In Irvine, there's a huge representation from Asia, from India. But of course, the minute I say that, I'm leaving out all sorts of other people from other cultures. We know people from Mexico, Ukraine, Egypt, Iran, and the list goes on and on and on. And this level of diversity immediately opens your mind, right? It pulls you out of that mirage that you're locked in. And there's there's one more population I want to bring up because it's important as well, and that's the homeless population. You know, I think the country looks at California as the leading um, creator almost of homelessness, right? It's like, it's almost like homelessness is a California problem, something that we did wrong either in terms of our politics or because of our liberal agenda. But there is so much that goes into homelessness. According to citymayors.com, Eugene, Oregon is actually the area in the country that has the highest homeless population per capita. Why? Who knows? Then there are obvious reasons why certain places do, right? The fact that homelessness is a bigger issue in large cities. So LA, New York, Seattle, Las Vegas, right? When you have large cities, you just have homelessness. It's a thing. Homeless people gravitate towards cities because they will they know that they'll be around people, people that they can ask for help. Now, when I think back to South Bend, Indiana, there was a homeless population there right? Right downtown, there was a homeless center that cared for the homeless. The people on the streets um, had mental health issues. They were veterans suffering from PTSD. They were drug addicted people that had lost their families and their homes. I mean, the same things we see in California, we had them in South Bend, Indiana. According to a South Bend Tribune article back in 2021, Um, At that time, the city was looking for help because the homeless population had seen a 25% jump from the 2019 numbers. Now, the 2019 numbers obviously were numbers prior to COVID hitting. So it'll be really interesting to see the numbers in 2022 and even 2023 to see what COVID did to add to the homeless population in the Midwest. But back to the concept of diversity, right? Right. So, like I said, California has a diverse population, one that includes people who live on the streets. And Tammy and I believe that our kids have grown, they've matured, by getting to experience this diversity firsthand. We truly believe that the adults that they will become will be adults with a greater capacity for love and for appreciating all people. And that's something that we've learned from living in California. Number three, the Orange County Mirage. So like we discussed already, California is not what we thought it was, right? When we were functioning under the West Coast Mirage. Some of our perceptions were true, but many were not. And at the end of the day, you probably need to live somewhere before you can make those kinds of judgments. Similar to saying walk a mile in someone else's shoes, right? We seem to get that when we talk about people, but it works with regions and locations of the country as well so we moved our family to california back in 2016 specifically to irvine california which is a planned community in orange county Like I said, we were pleasantly surprised by the racial and ethnic diversity, the openness to a much wider, all-inclusive way of thinking related to religion and politics and all sorts of things, not to mention the moderate temperature, the things to do, the amazing food, the proximity to theme parks, large cities, and the mountains and the beach. All good stuff, right? But the other day, my wife and I were talking about living here and that it's no different here than anywhere else. Once you've lived someplace for a while, you run the risk of developing the mirage mindset. And for us, we'll just call it the Orange County Mirage. Similar to the Midwest Mirage, right? It's living somewhere and developing roots that start to infuse you with the culture, the style, the beliefs, the perceptions of that culture. Now, for us, it doesn't seem possible right? I mean, we lived most of our lives in the Midwest, so surely we would be immune from the Orange County mirage, right? I mean, we understand what it's like to live in the rest of the country, so we should simply be well-rounded people and embrace the good from each culture that we've experienced, right? Well, in essence, that's the conversation we were having, and it started after seeing the Orange County mirage so vividly in people who have lived here their whole life here's a couple of ways that you can recognize it. So people in California often can't tell you where another state is located in the country. They don't typically understand time zones, right? Much less care what time it is on the East coast. Uh, graduates head off to college and universities in four season states only to return after a year or two because they just can't handle the weather. Many Californians have never ventured out of their state. Many have never even done the touristy stuff like hike to the Hollywood sign or visit Joshua Tree. Those who have traveled typically say, yeah, I don't really think I need to live anywhere else. I'm just really comfortable right here. Now, these are the obvious ones, right? The ones that people exhibit on a regular basis, letting you know that the Orange County Mirage is firmly in place. Recently, a senior in high school said, I don't ever want to leave Orange County. I mean, I just want to live here forever and get to do all the things I've done my whole life. And we get it. Tammy and I get it. After being here for six years, we get it. And we had that conversation because we were really asking this, do we just get it or do we now believe it? Do we fall for it as well? Have we adopted the Orange County Mirage for ourselves? Now it's an important conversation for the following reasons. First, our son is almost through with high school. So once that happens, all bets are off, right? At that point, we'll be free to decide what we want to do next. Will we stay in Irvine? Will we move somewhere else in Orange County? At this point, I work from home, so I don't even need to be in California. But Tammy is part of a growing nonprofit in Orange, and she has to be local. At the same time, we both agree California isn't where we will retire, right? You either have to be independently wealthy, or you have to have grown up here And had property passed down through the generations in order to keep up with the inflation. And since we don't fall into either one of those categories, we know it would be very hard to stay here all the way through retirement. But our conversation wasn't just about the cost of living in California, right? It was also about the Orange County mirage and if we as a family have been infected by it. Now, this is an Orange County thing, but even more so an Irvine thing. Irvine is a planned community. And when I say planned, I mean planned. Years in advance, possibly decades in advance. Things like where the next neighborhood is going to be built, where the schools will be located, how many town centers will be there per neighborhood, um, when is it time to add a new high school, and what restaurant chains are allowed in and which aren't, and how many of each Then you look at the way that the neighborhoods are built, and each neighborhood only has one or two entrances, which means that the main transportation arteries can flow at 60 miles an hour, with three lanes going in each direction. The population as of 2021 was 317,000, with an estimated growth of 10,000 per year. At this level of growth, things pretty much have to be planned out well to keep traffic flowing, to keep kids educated, to keep people fed. But with all of this planning comes the mirage. And in Irvine, there is definitely a sense of comfort, of safety, of reliability, of standardization. People would tell us, oh, Irvine is one of the safest cities in the world. And after a while, you just assume that nothing bad is going to happen here until it does. If living in the Midwest was like living in a bubble, so too is living in Irvine. It's just a much nicer bubble, which is funny because one of the reasons we left the Midwest was that we were becoming too settled, too comfortable, too okay with the status quo. We had begun to stagnate, right? We weren't being pushed out of our comfort zone at all. And now here we are facing the same thing just on the West Coast. We call it the Irvine effect very easy to get comfortable and not want to go anywhere else, not want to do anything else. It seems like a lot of work to travel to other parts of the country or the world for that matter. I mean, packing is so difficult because, well, the temperatures could be all over the place where we're going. Like there could be snow. We don't have winter coats, much less hats and gloves. And what if it rains? Oh my goodness. What are you supposed to do if it rains, right? It could disrupt the plans we had for that day. For us, The temperature thing is pretty crazy. When we moved here, we used to joke about how people were wearing coats on less than hot days, and how everyone seemed to drive with their windows up and the air on because it was just too hot most of the time. But eventually our blood started to change, and we too succumbed to this new climate. Just the other day I was whining that it's been cold for so long this year, which just means that the temperature has been below 75 for a really long time. In the Midwest, a 75 degree was like, yeah, throw on the shorts and tank tops, man. It's hot. But here you're like, "Uh, do I wear a jacket today or not? You know, maybe just long sleeves. And that's really where Tammy and I are at with our conversation, right? Have we been infected with the Orange County mirage? And if so, what do we do about it? Number four, seeing through your mirage. So let me start by addressing the elephant in the room. Some of you may be asking, why did you even make this episode? I mean, I don't live in Indiana. I don't live in California. I can't even really relate to half the stuff you're saying right now. And you'd be right. This was very focused on me, my family, my story, our experiences, right? Over the years and uh, how our worldview has changed, how our perceptions and our mirages have changed throughout the years and in the various stages of our journey but don't get so hung up on the story itself, right? Don't just get hung up on what I'm saying about me and our family. Dig a bit deeper and find the moral of the story. Find the truth, the hidden truth that can be applied to everyone in every situation. I'll just leave you with a couple. So moral number one, people often allow their perspectives of other people and other places to cloud their judgment. These perceptions become a mirage that they see, and it rarely matches reality. Moral number two, people who live in one area for too long a period of time may develop a mirage based on the culture that they now live in. Morals, values, a sense of safety, a sense of comfort that can cause stagnation. So what should we do about it, right? How do we see through our mirages? Well, the first thing that we can do is keep an open mind. And how do we do that? Well, for starters, you challenge your perceptions, right? You assume the best in other people and other places. And we will be willing to learn new things about those people and places. Next, we can do something crazy like move, right? (laughs) Move across the country to a new state altogether. When I was in first grade, my parents moved our family from Chicago to Powell, Wyoming. And those were seven of the best years of my life. In 2016, like I said, Tammy and I did the same thing. We moved our family from Indiana to California. And while we've had a lot of bumps and bruises on the Gold Coast, don't get us wrong, um, we've had some pretty amazing times as well. But if moving isn't in the cards for you, maybe just try traveling, right? And not just to the same place every year. Try new places, see new things, and allow your mirage to be challenged. Don't just sit at a four star resort for 10 straight days with people that look just like you. Explore, eat at local establishments, shop in small, hidden away areas, mingle with people. Only then will you truly experience cultures different than your own. This year, Expedia did a Super Bowl ad. Um, I'll put a link to it in the show notes, but Ewan McGregor. Uh, was the actor for the commercial. And I just want to read the lines from that commercial. Here's what, here's how it went. Stuff. We love stuff. And there's some really good stuff out there. But I doubt any of us will look back on our lives and think, I wish I had gotten a slightly sportier SUV or an even thinner TV or found a trendier scent. I wish I'd discovered a crunchier chip." found a lighter light beer, or had an even smarter smartphone. Do you think any of us will look back on our lives and regret the things we didn't buy or the places we didn't go? Let's land the plane. This week, ask yourself these questions. First, has my current location created a mirage for me? So the culture we're part of, the political and religious beliefs, the level of comfort, the level of safety, the way that we look at other people, the diversity that we're comfortable with, et cetera, et cetera. Has that location created a mirage for me? Number two, have I created mirages of other locations? In other words, have I allowed my perceptions of other parts of the country to cloud my judgment? Do I stereotype other people? Do I stereotype other places simply because of what I've heard or what my current setting suggests about those places? And have these mirages kept me from being an accepting person, accepting other people, and accepting other locations? And finally, what can I do to break through the mirages I have this week or this year? How can I keep an open mind and what would it look like to travel a bit more and to experience life in other parts of the world or the other other parts of our country? And that's it. That's it, my friends. Thank you so much for hanging with us again this week. Now, at the top of the show, I referenced um, some changes or or just an idea that I have percolating, and I told you I would talk about it at the end of the show, so let's do that now. Um, I'm looking at my notes, and all I see is something that says, next week our episode will be called blah, 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 blah. But I'm not going to do that. Um, I'm going to hold on that because this is what I wanted to talk about. Um, Lately, I have been in a funk, I guess that's the best way to call it, right? In a funk where I wake up every morning, I work, um, do a few things in the evening, go to bed, wake up, work, do a few things, go to bed. I mean, it's just all starting to run together. And I think, you know, part of that is related to COVID. COVID really forced us to kind of get into those ruts and those routines locked in our own home. Right. And for some of us, it was awesome. Right. There are people who are like, that is the best thing that ever happened to me. The fact that they told me not to come back to work and that I'm, I'm getting to work from home and, uh, and stay in my pajamas all day or whatever, (laughs) whatever it is for you. There are people that absolutely love it. And then there's people that absolutely hate it right? It's like, I'm in prison. I'm locked in my house and I, I can't get out. I don't feel like I can go out enough because I'm locked here doing my work and keeping the the house from falling apart and all of these things. And somewhere between those two extremes is me, right? I enjoy being at home. I enjoy working from home, but at the same time, I know that there is this danger that comes along with that, this danger of just locking yourself away and, um, you know, just falling into antisocial habits where you're you're choosing not to be part of society. So I'm working through that on my own. Um, I'm sure that each of you has your own things that you're working on related to that. Um, but what I've noticed is that it started to impact transcend human. It started to impact my ideas for podcast episodes and um, and just things that I wanted to say. Uh, I, I started the TikTok a while back for Transcend Human, and I find I find that going through my head a lot during the week. Like, man, I'll have this experience or I'll have this frustrating event, and I'll just want to go put it on TikTok because it's the fastest way to get it out there, right? And so how does that translate into podcast episodes? Well, what I've been thinking about, what's been percolating here on the back burner um, is this idea of once in a while doing a, a rant. Now, I don't really like the word rant because it suggests that I'm just going off on somebody or going off on a, a business or a company or a person, you know, and that's not that's not what it is at all. Um, but at the same time, a rant is kind of what people call it these days, right? When you just open up the mic and you just start riffing on whatever comes off the top of your head. And that's really what I'm playing with, right? I, I will go through the day and I'll have these thoughts and I'll see these things on the news and I'll hear these things on the radio. And you just start to, to feel locked in, right? Hedged in by all of this stuff that's going on in the world. And, you know, instead of me taking one of those things and fully fleshing it out into a 40-minute podcast episode, the thought is, what if I just start taking notes, about all of this stuff that's going on in our world. And then every once in a while I'll do an episode where I just hit the the next five and just chat through those five things in in light of, right, running them through the filter of transcend human and what it means to rise above the human condition. Because the human condition looks a lot different today than it did in 2019, right? our human condition has evolved it's morphed it's changed it's become more complicated and and so those are interesting conversations and so i'm not going to give you a 100% for sure that's what we're doing next week but as of right now i'm not telling you what the topic is for the next episode so i'm keeping my i'm keeping my options open um, but i just wanted you to know that and um, as we move forward We'll see how it works, right? All right. Well, thanks for listening to that. I feel like I was on a little soapbox there for a minute. Um, Hopefully, you guys had a great week and um, that this was helpful in some way to you. Um, Until next week, everyone, have a great week working on the mirages that you have in your life. And as always, keep transcending human.